April, but really kind of the first. I don't yeah. know. This month is weird. Well, I am really, really excited to be doing our first economics podcast. I know you are. I mean, we've done a lot of research and data. We've talked to some great folks over time about the research and and our surveys and all of that. But this one is the first one that's really all about economics. Right. And listen, I will be blunt with all of our listeners. Econ was never my favorite subject. I'm currently living in a house with somebody who is getting their degree in economics. So I hear it all day long, all the time. And it doesn't really matter. It's all still very... Um, dense to me and it's it can be very complex and confusing especially if you're not used to looking at this type of data and reading the market and kind of understanding those trends and one thing that i always appreciate is when somebody who has a really good handle on economics um, and specifically like certain markets in general can take what feels very complicated and intimidating and break it down and serve it up to you on a silver platter of like, here's this very complicated thing that I made much easier for you normal layperson to understand. And I think we were fortunate enough to have the opportunity to talk to somebody who is really good at that. Absolutely. Well, that's, you know, when, when we talk about things, economic concepts like inflation, mm-hmm. um, you know, being able to translate that, what that actually means into the simplest terms yep. and really to what you need to know, right? None of us are full-time economists. None of us are, um, you know, doing forecasts and that kind of thing. But what does it actually mean for your club and for the greater club industry? So, you know, we know right now that the annual inflation rate for the U.S. is 8.5% um, for the 12 months ending March 2022. Those numbers just came out April 12th, and that's the highest number um, since December 1981, uh, and that's after rising 7.9%. So, we, you know, we're going to talk about this with our guests, but the two most volatile categories right now are energy and food prices. Which should surprise no one. I mean, I think Absolutely. We, if you're paying attention to what's going on in the world right now and what has been going on over the last several months, those two things make a lot of sense. Right. And given that inflation, that means the consumer price index is up six and a half percent, which is the highest in 40 years. So older than some of our listeners and hosts. Older than me. <laughs> <laughs> some of our hosts. And uh, so, you know, the good news is that forecasters are saying that they think March is going to have been the peak of this number. Um, the next update won't come out until the middle of May. So yep. um, hang in for that. So we've got rising prices. We've got rising labor pressures. We've likely got uh, highest in, higher interest rate on debt. Um, and so what does that mean for the industry and your operations? So we reached out to Jim Butler, who's the CEO of Club Benchmarking. He's a PhD who brings a unique perspective to his leadership role at Club Benchmarking. He earned a PhD in hospitality from Iowa State University for his research on member loyalty and attachment. In addition, he holds an MBA in real estate development and finance, a bachelor's of science in chemistry and a turf grass degree. Uh, Jim has a wealth of operational experience and a proven track record in real estate sales, club management, capital improvement, and renovation in gated communities. He really is a recognized leader in data science and academic research um, in the club industry, and he's a highly sought-after educator and public speaker. And so we were so excited to sit down with Jim to get his take um, on the short-term and the long-term implications of this inflation and what it means for the club industry. 
Absolutely. So please stay tuned for our conversation with Jim Butler. Well, we are excited to dive into the topic of inflation and rising costs and what that means for clubs. And of course, the first person that came to mind for us was Jim Butler with Club Benchmarking, uh, with his background in clubs and in this industry, and obviously in data science, which is really important um, for what our clubs need to be considering and thinking about. So, you know, talking about inflation in this industry, Jim, you know, short term, we've got rising prices, we've got rising labor costs and, and wage pressures. Um, likely our clubs that have debt are facing higher interest rates on that debt. Um, so let's talk short term. What does that mean? What are our clubs experiencing? Well, I think that there's two parts to that, Melissa. I think the first part is the operation side of that. And clearly in clubs, uh, between 50 and 60% of the cost within a club on the operational side of the budget is labor. And we just completed a national labor survey. 97% of the clubs are looking for staff, number one. And then number two, the labor costs have gone up between 20 and 30% in the industry in the last two years. So when we talk about the inflationary pressures within a club environment, I'm sure everybody read last month last month that it went up 8.5%, but within that 8.5% in the club specifically on the operational side, labor has gone up 10 to 20% in clubs. Amazon is now paying $25 to $35 an hour. So the days I think of hiring uh, people in the kitchen and on the golf course for $15, which is the living wage. And if we went back one year, that'd been what we've all been talking about. But now I think we've got to set our sights on 20 or $25. And the reality of that is that that's half the budget. And then I think when you shift to the operational side in terms of the other cost, and we can dive into that, but the obvious ones are the food costs, the energy costs, all of that. On the capital side, you referenced it, it's debt, those swap agreements, which many clubs have done, the clubs that haven't done the capital improvements, the cost of that going forward, and then the offset of that, which is the clubs through COVID have done well. So initiation fees are up uh, generally. So we've been able to recruit members, but it's, it's really a tenuous time to be a manager of a club because you have so many uh, balls up in the air with this inflation piece. So Jim, when we were talking ahead of uh, our interview today, you talked about, you know, you've been talking to clubs all over the country. What do you see as the most significant of those operational factors that are, that are impacting their operations? Yeah, I, labor for sure is the, num is the number one issue. I think that just trying to be able to staff uh, our facilities as our business has ramped back up in an environment where unemployment is under 4%. I, I read yesterday, I think it was 3.5% across the country. And the ability to try and get people to work, the clubs are busy where it's Easter weekend here. So for many of the clubs, it's one of the busiest weeks of the year. I was just talking to our friends at Seabrook Island this morning, and they are double the number of shifts 
over the weekend here and with about the same amount of staff and that's hard to cover that because as we know it's not realistic to have people uh, work double shifts for five six seven days in a row as we as we go forward so i think i think number one that's the that's the biggest challenge i think number two is just trying to get our finger on it in terms of as we do our budgets and the impact on dues as we go and how how much do you raise dues and how much what's the elasticity of that dues in that and then i think third is a, we hear a lot of discussion about the compaction on the on the tea times which leads to the discussion about what's the right number of members as we go forward i think especially clubs that have golf that that tea time compaction issue is a big issue as we go uh, around and where that's headed in the future so you know the, the you know talking about those short-term impacts you know obviously as we look to budgets there's going to be long-term impacts um, what are you starting to see or what are you starting to forecast as we move into you know dues and those fees in the next year yeah I, we believe that the days of the two and three and four percent dues increases are history because if you have an eight and a half percent uh, inflation and you're only raising dues four percent then you've got to get that other four percent somewhere else so we would anticipate that we will have to increase dues or drive other dues income and non-dues income in terms of creating more money because the last thing we want to do is try and cut that member experience in terms of going forward i think from a dollar standpoint the biggest impact on that is going to be on the capital side because as we know the capital investment in clubs is so significant so when we look at our capital modeling the median club with golf has assets of about 25 million dollars so therefore if you have 25 million and a 20-year life expectancy the average amount of capital spent per year in club in clubs is an excess of a million dollars so in terms of a seven or an eight percent inflation rate in these capital strategy models that we look forward on if you miss that by three or four percent a year and that starts to compound then those numbers get really ugly really fast and we're in an industry that increasing capital dues is not something that clubs are used to historically doing as compared to operational dues but one of the messaging messages that we have at club benchmarking is the financial driver in clubs is the capital side so it's really important that we keep up with the capital income and the capital expenses and anybody that is in the middle of doing a capital improvement whether it's getting a contractor or trying to get a refrigerator that's stuck on a ship in China, um, we all know how difficult that is and how difficult that is to plan out. So I think I think that going forward is going to be one of the biggest challenges that we have in front of us is what to do on both operating dues, what to do on capital dues, that initiation fee, and how do we reset our long-term capital plans 
where we historically would put a 2% inflation rate in that all of a sudden we're going to have to put a 7 or an 8% inflation rate. And what is that going to mean to our members going, going forward? It's going to require a lot of planning and a lot of communication because, the, again, the last thing you want to do is get behind the eight ball in terms of that. And it's not all doom and gloom because the other side of that is we're selling memberships, we're increasing our membership roles, we're able to increase our initiation fees and clubs are positioned, you know, great post COVID with security, with the food and beverage, with the rackets, with all of the great amenities that we offer our members and people looking for that, that lifestyle. But I, I do think we'll have to revisit the business plans and look at some of the uh, business plans and some of the alternatives on those business plans as we navigate our way through that. I'm old enough to remember 19% inflation. I know you two aren't in terms of how old you are, but for many of our boards, you know, in the late 80s, when it was 20% inflation, it, it's something that they have seen before and I think you you got to get in front of that. You got to think in front of that. Utilize your boards. They've seen it. What did they do in their businesses? What do we need to be considering in our business? So one of the things that we saw back in 2008, which uh, the recession, you know, we one of the first things that we started to hear from clubs is, you know, how do I get other revenue and what other sources do I look at or, and what do I open for? You know, obviously this situation is different in the terms of our demand is not diminished during COVID. It's actually increased. So we're, we're, we're looking at this in a, in, much, in, in a much different situation. But one of the factors I'm hearing is, you know, the lack of attrition in members. And I think that's, you know, the, the attrition is about half right now what it has been historically. Um, so what, what, how does that position clubs who aren't seeing as many members roll over in terms of, you know, um, those changes in dues and initiation fees? Yeah, it's a great uh, question as we look at that. The typical uh, retention or turnover rate in a club historically is between 5 and 8%. So when we have a history of that and all of a sudden you decrease that, to two and a two two to two and a half to three percent, the most immediate impact on that is going to be on the capital side from the lack of the initiation fees. So let's let's put some numbers on it. So if a typical club has 500 uh, members and they turn five percent, and that's 25 memberships a year that turn, and that decreases in half to 12 or 13, and we lose 12 new members coming into the club, and the median initiation fee is $40,000 of membership, and you take that 40,000 and times it by 12, that's a half a million dollars a year that they're not gonna have an initiation fees to be able to pay for that. And we know initiation fees represent about a third of the capital income, another third of the capital income comes from capital dues and another third comes from uh, capital assessments. So if you take out that half a million and you do that over an extended period of time, 
let's say five years, that's two and a half million dollars that we're going to have to absorb somehow or find other funding mechanisms to do that. The other concern on that is the clubs that have taken on a large amount of debt that have planned on those initiation fees to cover that debt service, which many clubs do that. Uh, you know, the best practices have ongoing capital dues cover your obligatory um, and the debt service that you might have, but that it's really problematic and you really got to get in front of that because those numbers are real and they're big. They're big numbers with that. And if you have an initiation fee, which is not uncommon now in the 50, 60, $70,000 range, which is about 25% of our industry, then those numbers, that $500,000 number becomes a million dollar number as we go forward. It's another example of where the capital side is the financial driver. The managers are good on the operating side and we know we budget as a break even, but we, we really believe that we will see that on the, on the capital side and that's really the risk that I think many clubs have. So, you know, what, in your experience, what other factors are in play? In terms of the inflation? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when I look at the inflation, I think there's multiple uh, areas on that. And let's start overall. The overall inflation number is 8.5. But when we break that down and we look at what gasoline and energy is, and I believe, I, I read yesterday, I thought that the gasoline was up 45% year on year. So we know, especially with the golf courses that we have, that the chemicals and fertilizer are petroleum based so that we have potentially a 40 or 45 percent increase in those costs as we go forward. That's very substantial because that's uh, two elements in our golf course operation budget that are very important to us. I think the rent increase and the housing increase for our staff here. I'm in Florida and in, in Naples, Florida and a two-bedroom, two-bed apartment is going for as much as $2,000 a month now. I'm sure up in Washington that you probably have seen the same yep, thing. Yep. I was going to say, I think it's actually higher than that for a two-bedroom in this area. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's absolutely a, insane. Yeah, if you're a club in Washington and your staff's got to pay $2,000 a month, $24,000 a year, and you're hiring them for $20 an hour, tell me how that's gonna work when you make 40 less your taxes, you're making net 30 and you gotta give $24,000 of that away. That's, that's really real um, as, we, as we go forward uh, in terms of that. Beverages, you know, wine costs, um, you know, with the fires out in California, all of all of that and driving the cost of those beverage up when we talk about insurance i was looking at my house insurance uh, this morning with my lovely wife ruby and she said do you think that this with the appreciation in housing do you think that we have the house covered for enough money and i the first thing i thought of was can you imagine a club that doesn't have replacement cost that the replacement costs have gone up 30 or 40%. We haven't changed our 
insurance policy. So I think that that's a very su substantial thing as we go forward. And then the clubs that have a large amount of lease, as the feds increase the interest rate, the cost of that leasing, which is substantial in many clubs, is going to uh, increase also. So we have this mountain of increased cost in front of us that we're going to have to navigate uh, as we go through that and go through that together with our members and our boards and our finance committees. Yeah, that's so much so much there. I love how you break that down because there's so many areas that we're, we're being impacted and we're not even thinking about um, all of those inherent costs that are increasing uh, in the operation. So, you know, it, it, it comes down to more than, you know, raising prices on the menu, right, Jim? Right. Yeah, you just can't, uh, you know, you can't, you can't do that and then, and then do that in a vacuum because to your point, Melissa, there's, there's many other, there's many other costs. And, you know, I didn't mention property taxes and I didn't mention technology, all the technology things, the health insurance and, and all of, we know that this insurance thing is, is going to go up and the cost of health insurance as we go forward. So I would recommend to everybody, one of the things in terms of putting my manager hat on is take your trial balance, consolidate your trial balance, run all the departments together. That's called a consolidated trial balance. Run a data source, run your cost from high to low and spend your time at the top of that spreadsheet, not at the bottom of that spreadsheet, by understanding your total cost and your operations. And, and that's where, because that's where it'll make a difference um, in the budget. And then, and then not only look at it from the expense side, but we also have to look at it from the revenue side, any price increases that we might have or any adjustments that we're gonna make there. We'll always wanna start with the non member services because we want to keep services and we know to be really successful we have to increase member services so the task on that is how do we drive revenues how do we manage those expenses but how do we keep our compelling member experience so strong that the members are willing to uh, pay what they need to pay at the club to experience what we're offering those are great recommendations. Really, a lot to think about for our listeners. Yeah, yeah. Any other part? Any Jim? Any other? I know we we mentioned a couple good thoughts earlier, but anything that you're optimistic about when it comes to this? Yeah, I think the demographics are extraordinarily optimistic for the club industry. So when we look at the boomers, still have four or five more years to come into the club. We have the uh, millennials, which is the second largest group, and then the Gen X uh, in between. Now, the Gen X generation is about 28 to 30 percent smaller than the boomers, but I think what COVID has done is speeded up many of the clubs from joining. For the first time in our uh, history, and you talked about talking to Jason Becker before, the data that we collect uh, half the clubs with golf have a waiting list. So that you know, we went back three or four years, that would have been single digits as we go forward. So we've got different challenges than we had back in 2008. The, also the amount of closures on the golf courses has slowed down. 
So it's at equilibrium according to the National Golf Foundation numbers. People are playing more golf as we go. In our non-golf clubs, we've also seen an uptick in terms of the membership, which might surprise a lot of people. And then there's a group of clubs, the city clubs specifically, with rooms and restaurants. If you happen to be in New York City in one of those clubs, you have extremely challenging uh, time in front of you to get people back. But I think the whole club has undergone a revolution, if you will, because clubs are full, many clubs are full for the first time. The demographics are great for us. The family, all the investment that these clubs have made. Can you, I, we recently had a Golf Digest article in terms of the investment going on across the country. And I encourage everybody to read that because it's really coast to coast. I don't care if you're in California, Bend, Oregon, Naples, Florida, Midland, Texas, Boston, Mass. The amount of investment in the clubs is incredible as we go forward, as we redirect the amenities and services that we offer to match up with the families, um, the women, the children, the non um, male dominated amenities that the clubs have morphed into. And it's really been great to see and great to be part of the success. Who would have ever thought that COVID, as terrible as COVID was, and I think we're all one degree of separation from heartache in terms of COVID within our families, within our clubs, within our organizations. For the business part of that, it has speeded up the members joining and really allowed clubs to morph. Think about the takeout dining activities that uh, we've been able to do. Think about the technology advancement as we sit here on Zoom today and the number of board meetings that people have had on that. And the excitement that we have in terms of really getting these boards to be strategic and less operational as we really try and drive the strategy as we go forward and create those magical family moments for all of our members, especially here on a holiday weekend. I think that's perfect. And I think that optimism is a great note to, to wrap up. We can't appreciate uh, tell you how much we really appreciate having you with us today, Jim. So much good information and so many good things for our listeners to think about. Okay. Thank you guys. Thanks. Thank you for everything that you guys do in the industry and bringing people forward. I think it's really important that we share information and there's so much great information out there and your best of class in terms of doing that for all of us. Oh, you're very kind. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I always appreciate anytime anybody can take very complex like numbers things and distill them down into something that is very easy to digest and understand. My husband is majoring in economics, and so he talks to me about stuff like this all the time, and I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah, no, I was an English major. Words are way easier, so make that make sense. You did a wonderful job of, of taking what can be very intimidating and complex information and, and distilling it into something I think that everybody can, can take a little bit away from and appreciate. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the time today. Of course. All right. Okay. Well, that was an excellent conversation. Like I said before, I think Jim did a fantastic job of making what feels very complicated, at least to my brain, <laughs> much more understandable. Um, Melissa, you had a few follow-up notes that you wanted to make sure to share with our listeners. Could you share with those right now? Sure, absolutely. So um, 
I, we wanted to do an update to a podcast we did back in December, and that was about member waitlist. Uh, we talked with Jason Becker, who's the CEO of Golf Life Navigators. Mm-hmm. And Jason reached out because he actually has updated research. Uh, They just completed another research study at the end of February um, with about 550 prospective members responding to the survey. And what was interesting about this this research is that it was broken down differently uh, than the research project we talked about in the fall. Uh, This research project actually broke down respondents by the amount of initiation, so uh, fee for the club. So kind of breaking them into segments. so zero to to $10,000, 10 to 25 and up from there. So up to a 75 plus initiation budget. So a couple of things that were really interesting that Jason mentioned to us that stuck out in the research. Number one is that real estate is really driving this. Um, so uh, especially in Florida where you see a lot of HOA based clubs and your membership is a, a purchase when you purchase your home, the lack of um, inventory, which we're seeing nationwide, um, even up here in our area, is really driving the process. So you have lack of attrition. So people aren't leaving clubs. They're leaving clubs, and Jim talked about this earlier, about half the rate that they were leaving two years, pre-COVID years. Um, So there's fewer members leaving a club. There's fewer members selling their homes. So there's just really what's driving this, you know, membership interest is all by real estate. And because there's not interest, uh, you've decided you really like one community and that's not available. It's really broadening people's search. They're looking for that same lifestyle, but they're willing to go in a different location because they're looking for the lifestyle and not, not so much turned in right now on what's, you know, available. So they're, they're really moving and, and, being a little bit more interested in other areas based on that. The other thing that we're seeing is that because a lot of the membership wait lists that people have been experiencing, in those instances where there's not really a membership deposit required, um, there's potential for dilution of those lists because if you're looking to get into a club lifestyle, right, maybe you're putting your name on a couple of different club wait lists. Um, and mm-hmm. because you're not necessarily having to make a financial um, move to, you know, and, and you're not putting down a deposit, Correct. you know, it's likely that a lot of the wait lists that exist now um, potentially are going to be impacted by, you're not necessarily going back and saying, hey, calling up the club, right. hey, Kyle, I took my, I'm taking my name off the list yeah. because I found another club. So, you know, it's really interesting that availability really is the key that you are buying this lifestyle. And so you're willing to look in different locations. You're willing to put your name out on different lists. Um, and there's a lot of things just really impacting that. So just a couple of cool takeaways. Um, if you want more, the whole the whole report is great. Reach out to Golf Life Navigators, um, hit up their website. You can find out more information about that sentiment versus initiation budget. And there's some great recommendations in there on what clubs should be doing um, to make sure that you know that that they're going to continue um, having that member member interest and kind of the best way to approach this. I think that's, that brings up a good point. I just, the idea of like the dilution of like wait list. I mean, if you're wait list, you know, you've, you've kind of leaned on this statistic as like, oh, oh, well, our wait list is even full. We have like a really robust wait list for our club. Like that's wonderful and great, right? Like that means that you have interest, but to Melissa's point, right? Like if, if there are people on that list who aren't a hard commit, 
who aren't already like, yes, this is the only place I want to be. I will absolutely join as soon as you have availability. And they're just sort of there padding that stat. That's, I mean, that's just something to be aware of. It's, I don't necessarily think it's a positive or a negative thing. It's just something about which, you know, you probably just need to be thinking like, okay, this is a reality and there's maybe a little bit more competition in this pool than we maybe thought before because people are searching out for that, like you said, Melissa, that lifestyle versus a specific place that they want to be. Absolutely. So the other thing I just want to take a minute to recommend is if you've enjoyed our podcast and talking about economics and indicators, there's a couple other cool ones out there that I highly recommend that are short listens. Uh, first off is Planet Money. It's a mm-hmm. uh, comes out a couple of times a week. It's a 30-minute uh, dive into a topic, so it's got a little bit longer. And they offer they also offer a daily, Monday through Friday, uh, called The Indicator, which is a 10-minute podcast. That one I find really interesting because it can take one number and really detail out some great information for you in 10 minutes. So if you're like me, you know, you can listen through a string of them at a time, or you can listen to (laughs) one a day, but both are great listens out there. So if you're wanting to learn more about economics and interest rates and yield curves and what all that means, um, it's a great, great lesson. The indicator, I will, I will second that because again, it takes very jargony terms that you can hear you hear a lot like in the news and you might not understand what exactly they mean or how they kind of function in your how they would maybe impact you as an individual versus like the broader like market um it's it's good to kind of get those little definitions and like you said it's 10 minutes out of your day to like just learn something new um i will also throw in Freakonomics, um, which is a book, but they also, I think, have the audiobook is fantastic, so I would recommend listening to it uh, as well. But um, it again, it breaks down what feels very complicated and complex into uh, very relatable content and and uses a lot of good case studies to explain economic concepts throughout. So those those would that would be my recommendation. I really enjoyed Freakonomics. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's. It, it was a dream come true getting to talk about economics with you all. I'm sure we'll always talk about data and research uh, as we move forward. But thank you so much for joining us this month. It was my pleasure. I'm Melissa Lowe. She's Kyle Jennings. We will talk to you very soon. All right. Bye, friends. Bye. Let's Talk Club Management podcast is a podcast of the Club Management Association of America. Since 1927, CMAA has been the largest professional association for managers of membership clubs throughout the U.S. and internationally. The objectives of the association are to promote relationships between club management professionals and other similar professions, to encourage the education and advancement of members, and to provide the resources needed for efficient and successful club operations. Under the covenants of professionalism, education, leadership, and community, CMAA continues to extend its reach as the leader in the club management practice. CMAA is headquartered in Alexandria, Virginia, with more than 40 professional chapters and more than 40 student chapters and colonies. Please learn more at www.cmaa.org. Dot org.